Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Didn't the worship, it wasn't the worship amazing? Oh, let's give our worship team a hand clap. Just amazing. Feel the presence of God. So grateful for their labor. If you would open up your Bibles to chapter 3, verse 10 of Philippians, we're going to read verses 10 and 11 quickly. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Guest, welcome to the house of God. If you're a guest from another church, thank you. If you've never been here, we can't wait to meet you. So we want you to know that. Here we catch Paul in mid-sentence. And what he's saying before this in Philippians chapter 3 is that the only way that we can stand right before God is through Jesus Christ. It's not based on what we know or who we know or where we came from. It's based off of one name and that name, Jesus Christ and him alone. Our risen Savior, our living hope. But he clues us in about his passion to not only know that he knows that he needs somebody, but he wants to know who he needs. And once he finds out he's Jesus, I need to know Jesus more. So here in mid-sentence, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Oh, I was talking to pastor and it's worth repeating. He said, Matt, today is so important, especially for us who have lost loved ones because we know one day, because our Lord lives, they shall live again. That's worth repeating, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Speak to us through your word. We're here to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Fill our hearts and our lives, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Fist bump your neighbor. High five them. Let them know you're glad to be in the house of God this morning. I am glad that you're here, guest. And we want you to know that we're all a part of this for everybody who helped out yesterday. Thank you so much for everybody who's streaming online. We love you guys. Thank you for being a part of this. My daughter was riding with my wife home from church two Sundays ago when I preached on the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And I made a mistake in my sermon. I said that Jesus rode in on the foul of a donkey and it's supposed to be full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny unless you're me. <laughs> And you got to feel stupid. So they're riding home, and of course, I ask my wife as much as I do all the time, you need to pray for her. Don't ask unless you want to know. So I asked her, I said, Hey, what'd you think about it? How'd I do? She goes, Well, you made a mistake, and I already knew what she was going to say, right? And she said, Matt, you know it's a foal and not foul. I said, Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> my daughter's riding in the back seat, and she goes, You guys had a miracle in service. I said, What in the world are you talking about? She said, you took a donkey and turned it into a chicken. You went from a foal to a <laughs> So Christ did not ride in on a chicken, okay? It was, it was a vow. I laughed, she laughed, my wife laughed, we all laughed. Why? Because we're in ministry together. We do it together. Yeah. Yesterday I was talking to Pastor Mike, and I appreciate the privilege of speaking today. And he said, Matt, I, it'll be the first time I haven't preached an Easter sermon in 36 years. I said, Pastor, it'll be the first time I preached one in 39, so we'll just be nervous together. <laughs> Why do we say that? Because we're in it together, aren't we? So this morning, if I say goose instead of duck, which you'll understand that a little later, if I say foal instead of fowl, forgive me, but we're all in it together. Paul is writing to Timothy in chapter four of 1 Timothy, and he goes to chapter six, 
And he says, Timothy, if you'll remind them of these things, thou art a good minister. And what he was talking about is reminding people of things that they already know. So this morning, I'm just going to remind you about some things you already know. That Jesus Christ lives. The crucifixion meant something. The tomb is empty. And he lives with inside of us. And you can help me. You get to be a good minister. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us ministering to the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Lifting up the name that is above every name. Paul writes to Timothy again in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. And he says, preach the word, Timothy. Above all, preach the word. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. So if I get a little preachy, if I get a little loud, just join in with me. Amen? It's for our risen Savior. So if you want to say amen, you want to poke your neighbor there, we're all preaching together. We're fulfilling scripture. We're being good ministers and we're preaching the word together. Amen? Yes, that's what we're doing. So feel free to do that. As Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi and he's writing this letter, Philippians, he helps us understand some things that help us grasp the resurrection. We, we want a new life. We know, have you guys ever wanted something new like just a new car? I've been driving down the road and be like, man, I just like to have a new car. Yeah. No, I'm the only greedy person in the room. Okay, I've done that from time to time, okay? I've looked at something else and coveted it, okay? I repent before you. But we want the newness and sometimes we don't realize or we don't always realize what there is to go to get that newness. And, and Paul is writing in the scripture that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. But he doesn't stop there. He says this, that I may share in his sufferings. It's important to know that if we're gonna see the resurrection, we must share with Christ in his suffering. We must share with Christ and his suffering. Now, many of you have already done that to some degree. If you're saved, it was the day that you laid down your pride. It was the day that you sat in church and you white knuckled the pew and you made up your mind there was no way you were gonna answer that crazy preacher in the altar call. It was that time that guest invited you over to their house, your friend, your neighbor, and time after time they just shared the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and you thought in your mind, I'm not gonna get saved. And then what'd you do? You gave your heart and you laid your pride down. You brought your cross of pride and laid it before the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus said you have to pick up your cross daily. That's part of the sufferings. For some of us, it might have been circumstances. People invite you to things and you wanna come to church. You wanna go to that outing. You wanna go to that small group. And you walk outside and you have three flat tires. Never in your life had you had a flat tire before, but that time, all of a sudden, all these circumstances pile on you. But you begged, you borrowed, you stole, you did what you had to, and you showed up at that meeting and you found Jesus Christ. You laid those circumstances at his feet and say, today I'm gonna be an overcomer. Maybe it was environment. You grew up in a situation where people really just, it wasn't conducive to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing about our risen Savior. You didn't have parents or guardians who really taught you about that. You had people that said, listen, you don't want Jesus. You don't want anything to do with him. He's just like any other religion, just burdensome and you can't take it. But then you tune that out one day and the Holy Spirit dealt with you and you gave your heart to him. And it was that day that you had laid your environment down at his feet and said, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks, man. Jesus Christ is mine. So we all understand crosses. But what we also keep in mind is picking up the cross doesn't stop upon salvation, does it? We find that the closer we get to Christ, the more we want to be like him, the harder it is. And we all have our own crosses to carry and put down before Christ, our own baptisms that we have to walk through, our own trial by fire. 
And I don't want you to think on a, you're on an island or you're by yourself that if I'm going through a, a suffering, if I'm going through a trial, if I'm going through a situation, am, am I the only one or am I not a Christian? No, it's quite the opposite. You are a Christian and you are saved. And many times we find ourselves going through those trials and those tribulations because the enemy's trying to fight us, the world's trying to fight us, don't we? And we get close to Christ and we have to lay it down again. But sometimes those can be very difficult. Callie, my 11-year-old, was baptized about three years ago. She knew about being saved, and she was saved, and she explained it to us. Then she asked about baptism. She could explain it, and she understood what she was doing, so she got baptized. And there was one thing that Callie was more worried about than anything. It wasn't about what she was going to wear in a baptism. It wasn't about who was going to baptize her or what we were going to eat afterwards. It wasn't even worried about if she would have to say anything up there. What she was worried about is how long will Pastor Mike hold me under the water? <laughs> <laughs> that was her chief concern. I was thinking, you've seen some bad baptisms, I guess. <laughs> Not done yet. <laughs> A couple more minutes. <laughs> oh, you all know, never mind, never mind. Anyways, anyways, moving on. But she was so great. She asked this question over and over, and I finally went up to her and said, Callie, why don't you go up to Pastor Mike and just ask him if he's ever lost anybody in the baptism? And she did. <laughs> she did. I can't remember what it was in his office or when it was, but she looked at him. She said, Pastor Mike, have you ever lost anybody? And being a gracious pastor, he said, no, baby, I've never lost anybody before. <laughs> but if you've ever walked through a suffering, if you've ever seen somebody walk through a suffering, that cross that we repeatedly lay down at Christ's feet, that fire that we have to walk through that we know refines us and makes us more like him because we have to share. Sometimes I ask that question because after all, we have to come to him with a childlike faith. God, I sure have been up underneath here a long time. Can I come back up? And when you get to that point, we realize that we're really going through some sufferings and we can be like Callie. God, I know I'm supposed to go through this. I know I'm supposed to go under, but God, I've really been up underneath here a long time. Has anybody thought that beside me? Oh, you got to help me. You got to help me. Oh, but we, has a we have a resurrected Savior, don't we? And this is the thing about a living God, our living hope, that whatever we bring to him in our suffering, in our pain, in our agony, he's living and he will resurrect it and bring it to life. But Paul didn't stop there, does he, in that same verse. He goes down and he says that we may become like him in death. We understand that that's how we become like Christ, becoming like him in death. So first we see the suffering and then we see his death. We see something that is hard to understand and nobody knew death better than Christ, of course his crucifixion on the cross. And many times whenever we bring that situation, that circumstance, we're walking through that and we give it to God. It seems like it's over, doesn't it? My dad was telling me a story whenever he was 15 or 16 years old. He had a goose on his farm, and he hated that goose. That goose was no fun. That goose would bite anybody and chase anybody. One day, that goose bit the dog on the rear end, and the dog ran between a horse that was tied up to a chicken pen and pulled the window out of the chicken pen. And as that horse was running across the pasture, every time that window would hit the ground, that, that, that uh, rope would whip that horse in the rear end, and it would just go faster and faster. And here he is chasing this horse across the pasture. And he goes, Matt, I just hated that goose. I would have too. So one day he was swimming in a farm pond. 
Now, my generation, we don't know much about farm ponds. We're more like Jethro Bodine. We know about the concrete farm pond in our backyard. But he said this was a farm pond he was swimming in. He ran across that goose and he thought, here's my chance. Here's my opportunity. He takes that goose's head and he stuffs it underwater until that thing goes limp. Yeah, it goes limp and he goes, all right, I've beat this thing. This thing's dead. I'm tired of dealing with it. And he had his justice and his revenge on that. You know, whenever our Christ was crucified on the cross, the devil thought he won. The devil thought because Christ died on the cross, I can imagine the demons in hell, the spirits on earth laughing and scoffing and mocking. See, our Christ knows something about death and suffering, doesn't he? He knows what it's like to be run out of town and want to be stoned because he speaks the truth. Go in and heal a complete entire town, as the Bible tells us, and then people want to run him out. Made fun of. Whipped with the Roman scourge. The Roman scourge was a whip with three tails, and on it it consisted of metal and bone. And as it would hit the flesh, it would tear flesh and blood would come forth. And it was such a brutal beating that he took that they said sometimes, whenever they used that, at times, it would also remove flesh and you could see bone and even organs at times. See, he knew about suffering and he knew about death. The Bible speaks that nobody could look at him. He was marred beyond any man. So as he asked you and I to go through whatever we need to go through, we need to know that we can trust him. And because he lives, yeah, this situation is suffering. Yeah, it feels like death. Yeah, I have to plant some things in the ground so that I can become what God has called me to become. But he has the power to resurrect himself. He has the power to resurrect us in our life, amen? Amen. And we think about that. We think, man, it looks over. I don't know, God, where are you at? Now, come on, if you've ever walked through some suffering, you understand this. If you've ever seen a friend Mary Magdalene, the one that had seven demons cast out of her, her Lord and Savior died that day and was put in the tomb. And in chapter 20 of John, verses 13 through 18, it recounts the story that she's at the tomb and she's talking to a couple angels and she's talking to Jesus, but she doesn't realize she's talking to Jesus. And she's talking to the two angels and and they say, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, they've taken my Lord. Then she heard a second question. She heard a second question that she's supposed to be the gardener, but it was actually Christ. And he said, woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? And she said, just tell me where the body of the Lord is. I'll go find her. And and you guys can understand Mary Magdalene's situation. She had seven demons and Christ cast them out of her. Maybe the first guy that had ever came up to her and valued her for who she was and wasn't looking to get something from her following and seeing not only what happened to her, but through towns and through different situations, hearing and witnessing the glorious acts of Christ. So when she's by this tomb, she thinks it's over. Just tell me where you buried him. But she hears a voice behind her. See, when God takes us through suffering, it can blind us, can it? When God takes us through some stuff that he's asking us to lay at his feet, picking up our cross, it can blind us, it can Make us hard, it can make us hard of hearing to spiritual things. She was having a conversation with Christ and she didn't even know she was having a conversation with Christ. And then he says one word. Let me give you a little bit of, a little bit of heart saying here. Sometimes Christ has you exactly where you need to be and what you don't need, you don't need a way out. You need a word from God. Yeah. Yeah. 
because he's using you, he has you there. And in this situation, he's with Mary Magdalene. And he says one word, he just calls her by name, he says Mary. She turns around and she clings to him because she understands and sees the risen Christ. When we're going through trials and we're going through suffering and we're going through situations, we just need to cling to Christ sometimes, don't we? My dad finishes the rest of the story. You know, like Paul Harvey, there's always the rest of the story. He's in the farm pond, he's got the goose's head up underneath the water and it's limp and he thinks he's won. He said, Matt, I learned something that day. <laughs> the goose didn't die. He said, as soon as I let go of that head and his head floated up to the top, he said, the fight was on. He said, I couldn't get out of the pond quick enough and I learned one thing that day. I learned one thing that day. He said, you cannot whoop a goose in its natural habitat. <laughs> Well, we got good news because our Savior lives and we're alive in Him. The old has gone and the new is to stay, amen? And that when I'm in Christ Jesus, when I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm at my strongest ever. So I may feel like I'm down. It may look like I'm down. Yeah, the darkness is covered with, the earth is covered with darkness. The rocks split. There was an earthquake. Tombs opened and it looked like it was coming. But in the words of S.M. Lockridge, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And let me tell you something about Sunday. Let me tell you about what Christ wants to resurrect in our life. You're gonna be chasing demons out. Territory that you lost, you can take back. Where your, your ears were shut off and you couldn't hear the voice of the Lord, that's gonna be open to you. You're gonna be able to see things in ways you've never seen. Because it's out with the old and in with the new. But see, Paul continues here and he helps us understand some things. As he finishes this verse, he, in verse 11, as he moves on, he lets us know. He, he says that, listen, we get to embrace this unbelievable hope. What makes it so unbelievable that Christ would die and he had the power to raise himself and now any situation that I'm in, he can help me through. Where it looks like death, he can bring life. Where I feel like there's hopelessness, he can bring hope. Where there's no faith, he can bring faith where it looks like I'm never gonna be able to get out of the situation, he'll make a way, won't he? Because he's a living God and he's involved in our lives. He's not just mere words on a paper ideology, but he lives within our heart and our mind. The tomb is empty. And Paul says, let's talk about this unbelievable hope. And what does he say? That by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul clues us in that I may know him in the power of resurrection, in his resurrection, that I may understand how to share in his sufferings and become like him in death. But I want to do everything that is possibly, um, possibly human possible for me to obtain this resurrection. So there's nothing I'm not willing to throw at the feet of Christ. There's nothing that I'm not willing to give to him. There's no place that I'm not willing to go that he has called me to go so that I could obtain what he's called me to attain, which is life and life abundantly. What is he saying? Well, I think it's what he said in other places where he says, I'm willing to set aside anything that weighs me down. Anything that so, entangle, so easily entangles me. I'm willing to set it to aside. Because Christ has that power. As Paul's writing this, we see in his, his words that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let's do a full circle and go back to the start of that verse. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He's cluing, cluing us in on something that it's a desire that you have to want to be around Christ. You have to want to be around this resurrected Savior. You have, we want to, you, we've got to want more of him. And there's three things that I wanna quickly take you on a journey through 
that whenever we spend more time with our resurrected Savior, when we spend, res, when we spend time with our Christ, we see that things will happen in our lives and we'll just want more. Have you ever been around somebody and then you started wanting what they wanted? You've been around somebody with expensive taste and all of a sudden you, wanted to, you had expensive taste? You better have a savings account to back that up. Get in some trouble, won't you? Have you ever known two people that's lived together 30, 40, 50 years? Two different family, two different parts of the world, but soon enough they start looking alike. You wonder if they're brother and sister and they've been married 40 years, you know? Because when you hang around people, you start becoming like them. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The more that I know him, the more that I understand him, the more I understand the power, the more I want to know about that power that raised him from the dead. The more I understand I need it in my life because I need some things to be new again. Three things here quickly. The first thing that I see as I read the story, as I look back and I read the resurrection story, I see this, that that the more we spend around Christ, the more time we spend with our resurrected Savior, the more I'll want to run for God. See, God made us to run for him. God made us to go out and do things and accomplish things. He didn't make any buzzards. Come on now. He didn't make turkeys. Now, I know he did, but he didn't make human turkeys. Of course, people act like it sometimes. He didn't say, and fly like the turkey. (laughs) You know? He didn't say that. Run like the tortoise. I don't remember that in Scripture. What he does say, though, is that we're supposed to fly like an eagle, right? That means we're made to soar, we're made to run, we're made to go to a different gear. Yeah, I understand that there's points in our life that sometimes we have to walk and sometimes we have to crawl, particularly whenever you're becoming a new Christian and you begin to understand some things. But as Christ calls you to go through some suffering, as you see your friends that have gone through some heartache, sometimes you just gotta crawl to the altar. But knowing that that's not what I'm made for, I'm not supposed to stay in that life forever, that he's made me to run. He's made me to proclaim the gospel and love the gospel and tell as many people as I can about the glorious cross, about our glorious Savior. The cross was not glorious, about our glorious Savior and his resurrection. We'll want to run with God. The disciples ran to the tomb because that was the last place they found. They knew that Christ was and they found nothing but linen cloths there. We found that in John chapter 21, whenever Peter's in the boat and Christ calls unto him with all of his might, he swims to the shore and he runs to Christ, doesn't he? Because whenever you hang out with the risen Christ, whenever you hang out in the atmosphere that we're in, you'll find that you'll wanna run to God. And maybe you don't even realize it, but that's the reason why you're in service today. Because God wants to expose you, he wants to show you. I don't know how you got here, I don't think that's as important as you being here right now and hearing this message, right? And you said, man, I just feel like lifting my hands. I I feel like being a better person. I feel like doing greater things in my life. That's because whenever you get around the Spirit of God, whenever you get around our resurrected Savior, it'll make you run for God. And if I could be so bold, some of you need to stop running from God and run to God. Some of you guys need to stop running away from him and start running for him. But the more you hang out with our resurrected Savior, the more you'll see that you'll want to run for God. I also see as I read back, as I read over the, the stories of the resurrection, that we'll just want to worship. In Matthew 28, the earthquake happens. An angel with lightning, like lightning, descended from heaven. 
And the angel says this, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus whom was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said. And the women there, they, they catch a glimpse of this and, and they, they understand what's going on and despite hearing this angel and them going back and, and telling the disciples and all the things that happened, they weren't concerned as much about the angel coming down and what the angel said as they were when they were walking back on the road to share it with the disciples. Jesus greets them on the road and he says one word, he says greetings. And they turn around and fall at his feet and begin to worship him. Because when you're around the risen Savior, you're going to feel like worshiping, aren't you? You come into an atmosphere like this, you go to, go to another church or another situation, and maybe you're running from God, maybe you're not where you need to be, and you think, man, why do I feel like raising my hands? Why do I feel like lifting my voice? Why do I feel like joining the worship team in a clap of praise and this and that when I don't understand? Because when you get around the risen Savior, you're going to want to worship our God. Because it brings to life that thing that maybe we have tuned out by noise. Because the more you hang out around the risen Christ, the more you want to worship him. Friends, you want to worship him in this life. You'll want to know him in this life. It's appointed once unto man to die and then the judgment. And we worship Christ as our Lord and Savior in this life. Another thing that I understand is that Christ being around our resurrected king, being around Christ, it will want us, it'll want us to proclaim his name. We'll want to proclaim Christ. Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20, she went in and she just announced to the disciples everything she knew. She didn't care that she was a woman and they were men. She didn't care about boundaries like that. She just went in and said, listen, I have to tell you what I just saw. Because when you're around the resurrected Christ, you'll want to proclaim the name of Christ. You'll want to proclaim our God. The Roman soldier that was at the crucifixion that day, darkness covers the earth, the tomb split open, an earthquake happens. What did he say? He looked up at the cross and he said, truly that is the Son of God. You don't want to proclaim him as the heathen in this life and slip into eternity as somebody who's unsaved and slip into eternity. Because the Bible says this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and Lord of all. And right now, God is getting us ready. He's helping you understand that we want to proclaim him in this life. We want to put him in his position in this life and not wait until death. Now, I know there's theology and possibly even some churches out there that teach once you go to hell, you can pray yourself out or somebody can pray you out. That is theologically incorrect. It's not in the Bible. It's appointed once unto man to die, then the judgment. But we'll want to proclaim him. I understand whenever the old prophets will say, it's like a fire shut up within my bones. I just have to proclaim the name of Christ because I found life for the first time. I found life that lasts. In Matthew 28, 18, and 19, Jesus is ascending towards heaven. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he says this, the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples, going to all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as much as that is a command, as much as that is a commission, you know what it also does? It sets us free. Because he's given us permission for what he's already seated in our life. To go tell the world about him. 
to go tell the world about Jesus Christ which is shut up in our life and like that fire that burns, God, that I want to become closer to you and I just have to proclaim your name. Now, don't get me quartered because I'll start talking about the goodness of God. I'll start talking about how he lives and, and the tomb is empty on days like this because it's in our heart and in our mind and he's really trying to set us free. Go do what I've called you to do because it's in you whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah, you're shy today, but let's just touch Jesus Christ and see. And you might find yourself at his feet telling him your whole life story and asking him to come into it. We bow our hearts before him and we say, Christ, I need you. Let me ask you this question. To the one who's struggling with salvation, to the one who's saying, Matt, I've heard this a thousand times and I just, I just don't know about it. Maybe you've been hurt, maybe there's been some situation, but you know you're not where you need to be with Christ. My question is, will you let him set you free this morning? The tomb is empty, and he has given us permission to proclaim his name, to worship him, and to run with him. And in your life, you think, I don't know, Pastor Matt. Sure seems fun doing all these other things. Well, they're fun for a season. But that part you feel in your heart where you say, man, I know I need to become more involved in church. I know I need to submit my life to Jesus Christ. I know I need to give this thing up and bury it. I know I need to pick up that cross and lay it at his feet. He's just trying to set you free. And will you let him do it this morning? Will you proclaim his name? That way when we stand before him, we know that Christ is our mediator, that he is the resurrected God, he is the living God. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.